Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. The five-year survival rate for people with esophageal cancer, cancer of the esophagus, is estimated at about 20%. If the cancer spreads to other parts of the body, the survival rate drops. Our guest today had stage four esophageal cancer that metastasized to her liver, lymph nodes, and kidney. She began taking cannabis oil in March of last year, and three months later, she got a scan that showed she no longer had cancer. And joining us from Ontario, Canada, to tell her remarkable story is Carrie Law Lewis. Carrie, thanks for doing this. We very much appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Now, you were first diagnosed in October of 2019, but didn't start taking cannabis oil until March of last year. Did you have any other treatments during that time? I did. And to be honest with you, when I was first diagnosed, I was not familiar at all with cannabis as any kind of medical help. Um, I went through radiation and with that, it completely closed my esophagus. So for nine weeks, I couldn't eat anything. The last two of those, I couldn't drink anything. So I ended up in the hospital. While I was in the hospital, um, things were not looking great for me. And I had stayed up one night and I thought, I got to figure out a way to survive this. I have very young grandchildren. The youngest one wasn't two yet. And I thought, I can't expire until he's much, much older or he's never going to remember me. So I researched and researched and researched. And I found this group of people that were talking about this RSO oil and the speco oil and just cannabis as, as a healer. So I did some research and I stumbled across a, a company out of California and uh, that's kind of how it started. So by the time I got out of the hospital, it was January and uh, I, I ordered the oil and I talked to a lot of people about it, but I was very leery. I was scared of it. I wasn't sure how it would affect uh, the chemo that I was going to get. So I, you know, spent a lot of time thinking about it and kind of humming and hawing. And finally, I thought, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do this now and just put some faith in it. And I started it on March the 6th, June 5th of the same year. I had a scan and I got my results on June 11th and I could not believe they were crystal clear. And they have been clear ever since. I had a PET scan just recently because my oncologist is really struggling to kind of make this all make sense for her and the, the PET scan came back clean so they sent down the thoracic surgeon with a scope and did some biopsies of the scar tissue that I have and they're clear too and I don't have any other reason for this other than that cannabis oil. But it's fantastic isn't it? It is it's fantastic and I'll be honest with you the first week or so when you start taking <laughs> it I was never I, I'm I don't know. Can I say pothead? You can say um, anything you before want. Before this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it, it really did kind of hit me hard the first few weeks. And I mean, I was trying to go to work every day and I still was doing treatments. So, you know, I was really surprised. And the first time I took it, I thought, I felt very anxious about it. And then once I thought, 
you know, you, you have to make your peace with this and just relax into it. I love it. I still take it every day. And you should. That's good to hear because uh, oftentimes people stop taking it and that's when it comes back. Exactly. Oh, I will never stop taking it. And I mean, I, I agree with you. I think if you stop taking it, then the cancer probably does return. But I just love the effect it has on my overall life. I'm calmer. I'm happier. I, I just, I'm, I'm more patient. So besides elimin eliminating your, your cancer, it's made you a healthier individual. Absolutely, it has. It sure has. Yeah. I love it. I sleep better. I, I eat better, which, which maybe isn't always a good thing, but <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I am far healthier taking that oil than than I ever was before. I take zero medications, none. It helps me with the neuropathy that I have from the chemo that I took. Um, and I also believe that it works to help your good cells while you're doing chemo. I think it protects your good cells while helping the chemo fight the bad cells. Because I went to the, the eye doctor after I had all my chemo done, zero change from my eye scans before I had cancer. Normally your vision is affected by chemo. Same with your teeth. So many people end up having teeth pulled after chemo. And I went to the dentist after my treatments and my teeth are perfect. And I, I truly believe the cannabis is protecting the rest of my body. Well, I can certainly tell you that people who choose to do chemotherapy, if they do it in conjunction with oil, come through it far, far better by a country, country yeah. mile. Yes. Not only in the severity of side effects, but also in how effective the actual chemo is. So, Absolutely. Carrie, and when you first started taking the oil, so that first dose, like how much did you take? What was your regime? <laughs> how, did you, how did you build up, et cetera? So I started with tinctures first. Um, so I started just three drops under the tongue of the tinctures three or four times a day. And then once I finished the, the tincture bottle, then I switched to the oil. I guess the tinctures were to kind of help, uh, help me build up a tolerance for the oil. And I started with a half a grain of rice of the oil. And I'll be honest with you, it leveled me. I started it on a weekend because, like I said, I was still working. Um, so I started it on a weekend and I never slept so good in all my life. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the first thing I hear. <laughs> yes, yes. So I started with a half a grain of rice for three days and then a full grain of rice for three more days and then two grains of rice and sort of built up as I could tolerate it. So there were some times when I didn't increase after three days because I was kind of struggling with it a little bit. So I waited at the extra three days and then took it. But people that I talk to now that are just starting it, my best advice to them is just stick with it. Stick with it. Because, you know, I mean, in the beginning, it's a little bit confusing because you are sort of out of it a bit and you're, you're sleeping more. And, but it is working. The more you sleep, the, I think the better it works. Yeah, sleep is very healing. It is. It is. And so I want to say, too, the entire time I have not taken one pain pill since I started this oil. And to go through stage four cancer with everything that that entails, including the chemo, I never took one pain pill, not a Tylenol, nothing. Yeah, amazing. So this, the oil that you did, was it a multi-strain oil? Uh, no, I don't believe so. It's just an indica. Okay, but it wasn't made from different types of indica? 
Um, I'm I'm not 100% sure of that. Yeah, actually. you're not sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you know approximately, Carrie, what the THC level was in the stuff you were taking? Yes, I believe that the stuff that I'm taking now, which is the maintenance, is 35%, but I think before that it was 70%. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm just going to put a disclaimer in here or whatever you want to call it, folks. So mm -hmm. if you're fighting cancer, 35% uh, THC is not going to do it. Okay, so you want that second number that Carrie mentioned. I generally tell people 60% THC or higher if you're, if you're actually actively battling cancer. Carrie, does your family, uh, how did they react to you taking cannabis? Um. Well, they, they were okay with me trying to save my life because at that time, um, you know, things weren't, weren't looking great. Um, I think that they were on board with it, but I think my parents maybe had some, some hesitation about it just because of the old, the, the weed thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But I'm telling you that everyone I speak to now is a believer in this oil. And well, I've had... Go ahead. I was going to say, I had people say to me that um, before hearing about this oil, um, that if they had been diagnosed with cancer, especially stage four, that they probably would not have done the chemo and sort of just let the chips fall where they may. But now, having seen how well this oil works, they're all in. Yeah. And I know people who now take it to lower their blood pressure to help with MS. It's amazing. It's not just for cancer. No, I say show me a disease condition. This doesn't at least help. That's exactly. For sure. That's for sure. So Carrie, at the height of treatment, how much were you taking a day? I was taking, oh geez, a day. I was taking between 10 and 12 grains of rice three times a day. So 30 to 36 grains of rice. Which I think is a full gram, right? Gram. That's, yeah, think, approximately think, a gram, yeah. Yes, because I yeah. think about 33 grains is a gram. So, yeah, a gram. About a, a gram. gram, yeah. But that's what I was told, too, was that you have to get the, it's um, 60 grams within 90 days is the, the true protocol, right? Yeah, well, that's so, all, you know, Carrie, that's all kind of gone out the window because 60 grams of what? You know, an oil that's, for sake of argument, 82% THC, 7% CBD, 2% CBN. How many cannabinoid receptors does the person have? You right. know, all that comes into play. So um, generally now, I sort of say to people that that's kind of gone out the window okay. along with the gram a day. I mean, you know, uh, that I just stress to people that a gram is just a guideline. Right. You know, some people need more, some people need less. Generally, a gram is enough to take care of things. But, you know, I I have cleared a number of people on less than a gram a day, um, oh, wow. myself included. So, you know, everybody is different. But definitely, you know, if I was dealing with stage four esophageal cancer, I would be pounding a gram a day in. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> because esophageal cancer, and I don't need to tell you, is not one of those cancers where there's a lot of uh, happy endings. Nope. There just exactly is right. not, yeah. you know. I believe for stage four that the survival rate is 4.2%. It's, wow. it's very dismal. Have you bought lotto tickets? <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford can them after all the weed. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah, were... When, sorry. sorry, when you were taking the oil, uh, you were continuing to work? 
Yes, I did. How did that work out? Um, for the most part, it was okay. There were some days, of course, that I, I didn't go in. Mm-hmm. I mean, to you can't. So, <laughs> yeah. But, I, what I'm hearing from you so far is that you did this all orally, Carrie. I did. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I have. Um, I had like the worst of the cancer was in my liver. Yeah, it was several large masses covering my liver. So I wanted to make sure that I was taking it orally so that it would go through my liver. Mm-hmm. It'll because go through your, it'll go through your liver if you do it suppository too, just not on the first go around. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Boshadar Radishnik from um, Slovenia, we had him on our show a while ago. Uh, he works a lot with cancer patients and uh, he's been very successful with liver with just suppositories. Wow, that's good to know. Didn't yeah, he, didn't you say? Yeah. Corey, didn't he say, Corey, that it's two hundred times more effective using a suppository? It's a 100, 100 times stronger. Uh, it, for uh, THC for rectal application and two hundred fifty times stronger for CBD. Oh, wow! Yeah, yeah, that's very recent new um, knowledge out there, Carrie. That's very, you know, it's very new. Just in the last few months, we've discovered that. So. Wow, that yeah, is, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So Carrie, did you make any lifestyle changes? Like, did you change your diet? Did you do detoxing at all? Um, you know, did you meditate? Did you do any other things besides take the oil? I, I did. I did some Reiki. Um, I did some yoga. But as for eating and things like that. Obviously I I wasn't drinking anything because my liver was in such bad shape. Um, that's the biggest change, I guess, is that I I don't drink that much anymore. Um, but as for food changes, because I had gone so long without eating the nutritionist that I had just said, eat whatever you can get into you. Now I'm more, more cautious of what I eat. I, I try to stick to a lot more fruit and vegetables than I had before. But other than that, I really didn't make too many changes. Carrie, I want to go back to something you said uh, initially, that your radi- the radiation closed your esophagus. Mm-hmm. Tell, us, yes, it, tell us what that was like. Um, well, I mean, when you first get esophageal cancer, one of the first symptoms is that you kind of struggle to get food down. You can swallow fine. It's, there's nothing wrong with your throat. Um, but then it gets to kind of you know, where your esophagus, my cancer was where my esophagus met my stomach. So I could get food down to there and then no further. Um, I, in the beginning I could get it down with some water, but then once I started radiation, the scar tissue that it caused and the inflammation from the radiation just shut my esophagus completely. I didn't even have a pinhole and it was awful. It was scary. And without food for so long, you know, it, that, that does a lot to your mind. And how long did this last for you? Nine weeks with no food. Nine weeks. Yeah. And then I ended up in the hospital where I was um, given a, they call it a dilation and they just go down into your esophagus. And I'm not sure what kind of a tool even to describe it as, but like a long skinny stick almost goes down there and it sort of opens up your esophagus. So the thoracic surgeon that went down to do that for me, he said, I, you know, I, I tried I couldn't get you where I wanted you to be, but 
we, we've got you a little hole that you can get some liquids down. But he said, you probably will be on a liquid diet now. And I thought, okay, you know, I, honestly, that was good news to me because I hadn't been able to have anything. So uh, that I was still in the hospital. I ended up staying in the hospital because from a bad IV, I ended up with an infected blood clot in my arm. So while I was in there, I was just, I wasn't getting any food anyway. They, I was NPO the whole time I was in there. And when I came home, I started, I thought, well, I just want to try a little bit of this or a little bit of that. I figured if I could get liquids down, why couldn't I get something like yogurt or applesauce? And I just started that way. And slowly but surely, I eat everything now. I eat steak, I eat bread, I eat cheese. Wow. wow. That is, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's remarkable. I suspect that the doctors didn't hold out much hope for you. None, none. I saw eight different doctors in the beginning. All of them, you know, gave me their condolences and told me how sorry they were because at that time I was 49 years old, um, that I probably would not survive 12 months. One doctor told me that, and in his words, you'll be dead in two months. Um, I so love those guys. It <laughs> was, it's just so cold. Um, so, so uplifting. Exactly. But then I met my oncologist and, you know, she sort of said the same thing in the beginning. There's not a lot of hope here and, you know, we can do some palliative stuff to help you through, but ultimately you should probably prepare. And I, she said to me, do you know what the statistics are on this? And I said, sure I do. Like we all Google it before we go in to see the doctors. And I said, I, I do, but these statistics are in general uh, for 62-year-old men. And I don't see any statistics for 49-year-old women. So I don't fall into that group. Mm -hmm. So she said, okay, if you want to try, we'll, we'll give it a try. And I thought, yep, I sure do. What, what are the doctors saying now? <laughs> well, now it's a different story, isn't it? <laughs> so... I have a, a kidney doctor who just kind of follows me along because the kid, the cancer I had in my kidney was from the esophageal cancer, so he didn't get too involved. Um, but he does follow me along and check in with me. And I had said to him, I'm getting all these clean scans. And in the beginning, he said, um, enjoy the reprieve while you have it, but it probably is not going to last long. And uh, then I got this clean PET scan and then I have these biopsies come back clean that I don't have any cancer in my body anywhere right now. And uh, he's just overjoyed. Same with my medical oncologist. Uh, my family doctor actually called me to congratulate me. They're just in awe. I just, I find it a little bit disheartening that when I try to tell them, um, you know, I'm taking the CBD oil, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm doing. They don't really want to hear it. You're taking CBD or THC? Well, I'm taking both. I'm taking the, it's a FECO oil that I'm taking the full yeah, extract. Yeah, okay, cannabis. okay. I just yes. want to be really clear on that, Carrie, because oh, yeah. so many people think CBD alone will kill, uh, can, oh. kill cancer. And yeah. I cannot tell you how many patients we have lost. So to be really clear, Carrie took THC. Yes, yes, I did. Thanks. <laughs> and yeah, um, and I, I just am a little bit disheartened that the doctors don't really want to hear it because somewhere somebody should be doing studies on this. Yeah, I think there are, you know, there are thousands of studies done on cannabis over the last number of years, but uh, the medical profession always would like us to believe that there aren't. Right. And who's the fellow, Corey, that we interviewed a couple of years ago in Washington State? Um, 
You've got a better memory than I do. <laughs> which fellow? <laughs> the, the cannabis expert. Ethan Russo. Ethan Russo. Yeah. Ethan Russo says there are... Neurologist, I believe. Yeah. There are thousands of studies, uh, but the doctors have not had them be presented to them by the pharmaceutical reps. So they're unaware of them. Wow. Carrie, let me wow. let me ask you a question. When you had your very first scan, mm-hmm. and the doctor said that uh, there was no sign of cancer, mm-hmm. people we've talked to have always said there's this scan phobia that people have. They're very scared of getting scans Scans-ity. because pardon scan me? anxiety. Scan yeah. anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> phobia, anxiety. Yeah, and the doctor told you that there was n- couldn't find any cancer. Tell us your emotional reaction to that. I cried. I cried so hard. I was terrified. I was terrified because, and as dumb as it sounds, when I had a scan previous to doing the oil, um, and, you know, they said that there was still cancer in all the spots that there was before. It seemed to be better, but was still there. Um, At least I knew what to do with that. I knew that, you know, I would keep taking the chemo and I would keep, you know, plugging ahead. When she told me there was nothing there and she said, you know, we're going to discontinue chemo because there's nothing there right now. It scared me. I was terrified. I was thrilled. Don't get me wrong. I was absolutely thrilled, but I was scared because I thought if they don't do chemo and they, you know, it's going to come back, how am I going to stop this? And that's what I really had to put my faith in this speckle oil that I was taking because that's was going to be my safety net and it has worked. It's been over a year, well over a year now. And my scans are still clean with no medical intervention. The only thing I'm doing is this oil. So, I mean, I still get a lot of phobia when the scan time comes, but as these scans go on, I feel a little bit more confident. Like I'm a little bit more relaxed and I think I feel great. So I have to go by that too. But the scans, I think, will always be scary. I think once you hear the big C-bomb, it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah, any little twinge you get or whatever. I've talked so often with people that have had cancer. You just, that's automatically where your mind goes. It is. Yeah, it is. Although I I feel better about it now than I did after the first scan. Um, I was a little bit concerned when they went down to do the biopsies and they said, you know, they wanted to go through the scar tissue and see, because that's probably where it would come back because that was the primary. And I had the biopsy done on June 24th and I didn't get my results until July 26th. That was the longest month of my life. That's a long time to wait. It is. It is. Um, yeah. In Canada, we don't like, I know in the U S that when you have a CT scan, you get your results oftentimes the same day that, that never happens here. Yeah, you also have to pay for that in the U.S. Oh, yeah, it's free here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll wait. <laughs> you must have been delighted, though, when uh, you had your CT scans, your PET scans and biopsies, and they said, at this point, we're considering you cured. Yes, those were their words. And uh, I cried, and I was just so happy. And I thought, I can finally put a period at the end of this. It, it just sounded very... I, I don't know. They were very sure. 
because before when the scans would come, they would say, you know, well, we'll scan you again in three months, you know, enjoy this remission. And when I asked after the last batch of stuff that I just had done, uh, how long can I expect this remission to last? The thoracic surgeon said to me, it's not remission anymore, Carrie. He said, we're calling this a cure. Wow. It's amazing. Well, that's amazing for a doctor to say that. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because these are the same doctors who couldn't commit to um, any kind of positivity in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Not that they didn't want to. I mean, they were, they were nice enough, but they, they go by the textbook and they go by the facts and, but the textbook and the facts. Experience as well. Yes. Yes. But that doesn't apply to everyone. No. And I, I really, I, I really do promote this oil to everybody. I, I have a, a company that I use. I don't know if I'm allowed to say their name. Um, I yeah. use a, no. We'd prefer if you didn't. Okay. Yep. Yep. This company in California. They are fantastic. And I no, have- no, because Carrie, what happens more often than not when people order online is mm-hmm. they get scammed for yes. thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, obviously you've sort of found a gem in amongst the rubble, but uh, tr- uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Historically, that's not the case. I right. I into people every week that have been scammed online. I see it too. I belong to a couple of groups, and I see it all the time. And my heart just breaks because it's so expensive, and these people are so desperate. I know it's just it's just awful. Yeah, Carrie. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is: is what was the hardest thing for you to deal with in going through this whole process of cancer and recovery? Well, the hardest thing was having to to think about my daughter and my grandchildren and my husband living without me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would be fine. They would all be fine. But that was the worst part for me was, was trying to be okay with not being here for my family. But since, like, obviously I've, done fairly well with this and I am very blessed and I know that um now the hardest part really is just trying to explain to people that I'm not sick anymore and your your physical health has improved it's, I would suggest yep. it's probably uh, better now than it was uh, many years prior to your diagnosis exactly I, I feel very clear like I I just feel very I, I don't even know what the word is. I just, I feel good. I feel very clear headed and uh, I feel lighter. I'm, I'm not, I'm still the same weight I was before I got sick, but I just, <laughs> but I just inside feel much lighter. Yeah, it's, it's truly remarkable. And your husband was very supportive through all this? He was indeed. Yep. Yep. He sure was. Yeah. There was no question when, when we found this oil, about the cost of it or any of it. He, he's been extremely supportive. You know, when you, yes. when you say that, we interviewed a fellow last week, uh, Robert Ladd in rural Michigan, who cured himself from, uh, I don't want to say the word cure, but no longer has pancreatic cancer and hasn't had, wow. uh, hasn't had it for seven years. But he said uh, two things uh, that were important. One is you have to have a caregiver to help you through this. Yep. And the second thing is a positive mental attitude that this isn't going to be me. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. With him, he got mad. He got PO'd. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know what? Sometimes that, that gives you the strength you need. Yes. Yes. No, my husband was fantastic. And especially in those first few weeks, when you are a little bit out of it while you're building up a tolerance, um, you know, he was looking after the house and, and he was great. And he was looking after me, which I think is a lot. <laughs> His stoned wife. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. But, but that fella is absolutely right. A positive mental attitude. I, I really think you fight this disease first in your head and your body will follow. But you have to stay positive. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, excellent. You have, to, well said, yeah. Yeah. you have to stay positive. And I, I, I think it's four things. I really think it's your mental attitude. It's listening to your doctors because they, you do need them. It's God. I put a lot of faith in God. And I think, too, it's having a good support system around you. Because there are days when you aren't going to feel as strong and you aren't like mentally. And it's nice to have somebody coming along behind you. Just say, let's go. <laughs> Keep moving. Right. Carrie, it was fantastic to hear your story. And we're so pleased that uh, your, the doctor said that uh, you're cured. It wasn't us. It was yes. the doctor. Doctor. And, yeah. and uh, it's fantastic. And we thank you for reaching out to us and wanting to tell yes. your story. We, we greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I know that the stats on this cancer are so bad. And I just want to try to give somebody out there some hope. Just hang on. Try the oil. It does work. Absolutely. Thanks, Carrie. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. And we'd like to thank Carrie for reaching out to us and wanting to tell her story. And one of the problems we've had at Cannabis Health Radio over the years is the censorship from the tech, big tech companies. We are shadow blocked on Facebook. They say we have close to. Uh, 32,000 followers on Facebook, but uh, somehow many of them are shadow blocked. And now we've got problems with YouTube. And uh, we got this from YouTube several weeks ago. It says, Hi, Cannabis Health Radio. We wanted to let you know that our team has reviewed your content and we don't think it's in line with our community guidelines. As a result, we've age-restricted the following content. And the content they had was episode 308. She used cannabis oil to deal with her ovarian cancer. And YouTube goes on to say, We haven't applied a strike to your channel, and your content is still live for some users on YouTube. Keep reading for more details on what this means and steps that you can take if you'd like to appeal the decision. Now, they also go on to say what age-restricted means. We age-restrict content when we don't think it's suitable for younger audiences. This means it will not be visible to users who are logged out or are under 18 years of age or have restricted mode enabled. It also won't be eligible for ads and learn about more about age restrictions. You click a button and it says, We realize this may be frustrating news and we want to help make sure your content is accessible to all audiences. Here's what you can do. And it says review YouTube's community guidelines and creator academy lessons. Double check that your content is in line with our guidelines and appeal here if you think there is a mistake. And uh, so we've done that. We've gotten uh, nowhere. And uh, unfortunately, we have been posting podcasts on YouTube. At least Mark in Belgium has done it for us. Uh, for four years now, probably closer to five years, going on five years in October. And all of a sudden, our content on Facebook 
has been shadow blocked and YouTube is putting up barriers to us. So uh, what we do is we uh, reach out to listeners and help us spread the news about Cannabis Health Radio on the platform you listen to. And uh, we'd like to get as many people interested in our podcast as possible. And just one last thing, if you'd like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio and support us, you can do that. There are a few ways you can do it. You become a monthly supporter for as little as $5 a month on our Patreon page. And you can also make a one-time donation through our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And we thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.